بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين We've been studying arguments for the existence of God. The second argument is the argument based on the innate knowledge that we have about God, Burhan Fetrat. And this argument is in a way different from other arguments. Other arguments, like the argument from design or cosmological argument that, inshallah, we will explain today, are more straightforward. Argument from Fitra is somehow in need of the other party's cooperation. The other party's readiness to experience this. Because if, for example, we say that in us there is desire for eternity. In us there is desire for perfection, unlimited perfection, for absolute knowledge. If the other party says, I don't have such desire, then we cannot do anything. We cannot you know, impose, we cannot force. We as human beings have this common experience, but if someone says, no, I don't have anything like this. Like, you know, there are people who question the existence of the world. There are people who say that maybe everything is just a dream. Maybe no one exists. Okay? Then we say, what about the dream? At least that is a reality. So maybe that is also not a reality. Maybe even that I am making mistake. We say, who is making mistake? There must be a reality that makes a mistake. Yes. He says, even that I don't know. So whatever we say is I don't know. So at the end, what can we do? Say, okay, if you don't know anything, even you don't know that you don't know. And even you don't know that you are speaking with me. So then I think there is no point in continuing this discussion. Uh, Ibn Sina has this... Uh, idea that, for example, if someone denies fire, he says there is no fire, so maybe one way to awaken him is to bring him closer to fire. When he starts feeling the burn, then hopefully he would accept. But maybe some people say, no, even in dream, if I am burnt, I am suffering. So they want to insist that there is no reality. So the argument from fitra is in need of the person's preparation and cooperation. For example, if you say to someone that when you have been traveling on a boat and there was possibility, or for example, on a plane and there was possibility of crash, 
and no one was there to help you. Didn't this occur to you that it's someone who loves you and who knows about your situation and who can help you? If he says no, <laughs> what can I do? So this is the nature of argument from Fitra. It is something that everyone should feel and experience, but if someone insists on that he is not feeling or she is not feeling, then we would not be able to go forward. Anyway, there is a very important discussion that I mention it here. It's not in the book here, but it's very important because now I think it's a proper time for addressing this issue. Whenever you have a being, okay, any being that shares with similar beings certain qualities and there are things that he doesn't share or it doesn't share. For example, if I choose a book from my library, I bring a book out of the shelf and this is, for example, Al-Mizan Fi Tafsir Al-Quran by Allama Tabatabai. Okay? This volume shares many things with other books. They are all paper, there is ink, there is binding, there is glue used. Okay? Everything is to maybe 90% the same. The only thing is the content, which is different. Sometimes even the content can be very similar. For example, that is another tafsir, but not al-mizan. Okay? So many, many things from a kind of material perspective, from, I don't know, design perspective, may look the same. Is it clear? But my question for you is this. What makes you interested in Al-Mizan? Those common qualities that can be found in other books or other objects or only those things which are exclusive to Al-Mizan? The answer is only those things which are exclusive. Because I didn't want any book or I didn't want any paper or I didn't want any you know, uh, physical object. I was interested in this particular book. Therefore, if, for example, you go to a bookshop and say, you know, please give me Al-Mizan. And he says, I don't have Al-Mizan, but I have something very much looks like that. It's 20 volumes, it's in Arabic, you know, everything looks the same. You say, no, I don't have interest. If my interest was just to decorate my library, mm -hmm. then for me, anything was working. But when I say I want Al-Mizan, I want it for that particular aspect which is not available in this book. Is it clear? You go, for example, to buy for your garden an apple sapling. You want to plant a tree so that you can have apple fruits. So you go there and the gardener says, I have sapling, but for orange, not for apple. You say, I want apple. Says, no, it's for orange, but it's very similar. They are all trees, they have leaves, they bear fruits. Say, no, I want apple. 
although maybe 90% are the same, but that's not what I want. Or for example, he says, I have apple tree, but it doesn't bear fruits. You say, I don't want it. If it doesn't bear fruits, I don't want it. Even if it is 99% like the apple tree which bears fruits. So this is something I mentioned by examples, but this is indeed a philosophical rule. Philosophers say, حَقِيقَةُ الشَّيْءِ بِفَصْلِهِ الْأَخِيرِ The reality of everything is determined by its very last differentia. Okay? In logic, inshallah, you will study, you will see. When we want to classify things, we have to use a system based on what is common and what is not common. What is common, we call it genus. What is not common, we call it differentia. So we use different terms as genus and differentia to identify. For example, when it comes to human beings, logicians and philosophers, they say, Human beings are جسم نامی متحرک حساس بالاراده ناطق. Okay, what does it mean? It means a three-dimensional being which has life, which has sensation, which has voluntary motion, and is able to think. Okay, so... These terms that we use are important because, for example, when you say it's nami, means it has growth, it has life, then this can exclude non-living beings. But all the plants, animals are included. When you say it has sensation and it has voluntary motion, it excludes plants because plants don't smell or, you know, don't move voluntarily. And then when you say it is natiq, it has logos, it can think, and therefore it can also speak, then it is only human beings. So what is the very last differentia is the ability to think. So if a human being, this is a very important point, if a human being is going to have a human life, what type of life should be that life? Because as a human being, we have many things common with animals. We have many things common with plants. We have many things common with even non-living beings. For example, if my life is just to occupy a space, like it's a chair and like, I don't know, desk, I occupy a space, I have some weight, I have three dimensions. Is this human life? No, because this is also available in other types of beings. If I have no move, I have growth, I am a living being, I grow. This is what is shared by, animal, uh, by uh, animals and plants as well. If I eat, I drink, I have, uh, I don't know, 
sexual relation, these type of things. This is also available in animals. Okay? So what makes my life human is what is only found in human beings and not in other beings. Is it clear? If I do things which animals also do, this is not making my life human life because I'm sharing with them. If I do something that plants also do, that is not making my life human life. So this is a very important point. So even if someone is not religious, suppose someone is not religious, we can approach from this perspective. We say, do you like to have a human life or not? If he says, I want to have human life, then say, okay, let's find out what is only available in human beings, which are not available in other beings. For example, in us there is desire for kindness. We love to be kind and we love to be receiving kindness. This is very important. In Ziyarat Aminullah, we have beautiful request. It starts with Allahumma ja'al nafsi mutma'innatan biqadarik, radiyatan biqadaik, and then reaches muhibbatan lisaffata awliyaik. I want to be a lover of your chosen friends. And also, mahboobatan fi ardika wasamaik. I want to be loved on the earth and in the sky. So I want people love me. I want angels love me. I want you love me. You remember last week I said one of the things that human beings need for their happiness is to be aware that they are loved. Yeah? You just don't need someone gives you food and, I don't know, medicine and, you know, shelter. You need to feel that you are loved. If you don't feel you are loved, life becomes miserable. If you think everyone is just using you or only they have formal relation with you. Yeah, like business partner. This is making life miserable. We have to feel that we are loved. Of course, a mu'min is sure that Allah loves him. Yeah, Ahlul Bayt love him. But if someone is not as strong in faith, then he would suffer a lot if he sees that, for example, his husband or wife or, I don't know, children, uh, friends, classmates, they don't love him or her. It's making life miserable. So this is a quality of human beings. They want to love and they want to be loved. Or the desire for knowledge. They want to know endlessly. They want beauty endlessly. Of course, unfortunately, we take beauty sometimes only in the physical sense, in the material sense, in the external sense. You know, sometimes, as I explained, we just want to decorate outside. Yeah? The desire for perfection 
we want to always become better in everything we want to become better and everything we want to if for example we have good i don't know system of welfare we want to make it better if you have good traffic system we want to make it better if you have a good car we want to if you have good laptop we want to make it better everything we always want to reach the best the most perfect or for example we want to have eternal life in us there is desire for eternal life we don't want to be there only for some time even if you tell me you are here for 1000 years still i look at it as a limit yeah i don't want to be even limited to 1000 years it's better if it is 1000 year and one day if it can be two days so we don't want any limit so any life which is directed towards achieving these desires which are only available in human beings that life is a human life okay if we eat drink and have other physical animal needs met in order to be able to meet our highest needs that's fine okay i eat and drink why because i want to have energy to do those things which are at the top for example to pursue my knowledge to pursue love okay then eating and drinking becomes important but if i eat and drink for the sake of eating and drinking and enjoying just eating and drinking this keeps me at the level of animals Maybe a cow enjoys more, you know, his food than me. Yeah? They don't need to worry about anything. I have to worry about many things. So if my life is to get pleasure from eating and drinking and these type of things, I haven't developed my humanity. Okay? You know, many years ago I saw in a movie... uh, a person had crocodile in his flat and then in order to keep it you know a small so that it doesn't need more space and also doesn't become dangerous they were feeding the crocodile very little just not to die it's like a crime you don't give animal you know proper food so it looks like crocodile but it's very small very weak Okay? So this is not really a crocodile. Sometimes, or most of the time, unfortunately, our humanity has not developed. It's like that a small crocodile. We haven't fed our humanity. We haven't grown in our humanity. And sometimes even we have developed the animal side. So instead of developing a human character, we have developed a wolf character, a monkey character. So this is quite possible. Inshallah, when you study Mullah Sadra's philosophy, you would see that even he would say, 
that human beings can belong to different species. It's not they are all no on wahid. They are not all the same. They look the same, but they can belong to different categories. Some human beings are not human beings. They are just maybe monkeys. They are pigs. They are wolves. So they look like. Anyway, now we go back to the issue of fetra. One of the things that we find in all cultures, in all races, is that you have manifestation of faith in God. Even if you go to the prehistory time, if you go and you know, study the paintings on the walls of the caves, you see traces of faith in God. Maybe not monotheistic necessarily. Maybe they had some kind of polytheistic understanding. Maybe they had some kind of, I don't know, idol worship uh, uh, you know, understanding. But God has always been there. Sometimes they were misguided. Sometimes they didn't have proper understanding. Even sometimes when prophets have come, you know, they started with Tawheed, but people gradually may have deviated. But what is important is you don't find the concept of God missing in any part of the world, in any part of the history of mankind. Human beings automatically have always been thinking about God. And this has been a very important issue in their life. We find that many people, they share even fundamental values. This is something that, inshallah, maybe another time we should speak about it, about you know relativism. Those who are relativists, they say that there is no universal value. But this is against what anthropologists tell us. This is against our own experience. We find people in different parts of the world, they hold some fundamental values. Even some philosophers have argued that had it not been that we have certain values in common, humanity was not able to continue. For example, if there was no such value that parents should care for their children, humanity was not able to survive. Why? Because a human child without the care of parents cannot survive. Many animals, as soon as the child is born, can continue. In some animals, maybe for a few days they need care. But then after a few days, they become independent. In some animals, even they don't need a few days. You know, for example, they lay egg and then they disappear. Still, it can become a, you know, the same animal, the same bird. In human beings, we need care of the parents for how many years? In the past, for 10, 12 years, now you need to care for your children 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. 
even when they get married and they have children, especially you have to support them, look after their children, look after their finance, everything. So if human beings had not this idea of it's good to care for your children, we, will disappear, we would have disappeared by now. Okay? So these are fitri elements in us that has kept us. Or if the children were not showing love and appreciation to the parents, then the parents would have lost their interest in their children, and then again the care was stopped, then there was no ability for human beings to survive. And this is actually what is happening today. Now, because some children don't show kindness and appreciation to what parents have done, so now some people decide not to become parents. Okay? So in some societies, you see population is into decline. After some years, maybe we have more dogs and cats than children. <laughs> because it's easier. You don't need, you know, to be surprised always with the misbehavior of some children. Anyway, so far, alhamdulillah, humanity has continued. Why? Because there was a value in caring for your children. And there was a value of children showing love and respect and appreciation to their parents. These are fundamental. So, human beings have shared as human beings in different parts of the world, different time, certain values. Those don't become our values, universal values, because of our body. There must be something common between us. That is our soul. That is our essence. In that soul and essence, as we said, there is an understanding of God. And there is also a yearning, a desire for God. Even if someone doesn't feel the connection with God in himself or herself directly, at least he feels the connection with beauty. Okay, who is the most beautiful? You want greatest knowledge. Who is the greatest knowledgeable? You want greatest power. All these are indications of God. Whether you understand it or you don't understand it. So the argument from Fitra is based on this. So first, we clarify that in human beings, there is an understanding and also desire for either God directly or for absolute perfection. And we say that can only be uh, fulfilled by God. And whatever is available in all human beings is part of our fabric, is part of our nature, so it has to be true. Another discussion here is why some people don't have that understanding of God that we are talking about, although it is fetri. Some people, unfortunately, have not developed their understanding. They have only been thinking about day-to-day -day affairs, about only food, about only money, about only house. They don't have developed self 
awareness, self-knowledge, ma'rifatun nafs, they haven't developed. You know, if you are always thinking about your basic needs, then there is a possibility that you may not reach to the level that you think about God actively. You know, you find that actually in some societies that people have more material means, they think more about spirituality than people who are poor or live under very bad condition. Yeah? Because if someone has to struggle day and night to be able to feed his children, then he has no time for thinking about spirituality. It's sometimes very difficult. It's not impossible, it's very difficult. And this is why Islam is against poverty. Yeah? If people are poor, then it's very difficult for them to have some time to study, to think, to reflect. If they reflect, they reflect on how to pay their bills. They cannot reflect on their spirituality. They cannot reflect. So sometimes some people have been so much involved and immersed in their day-to-day -day, you know, life that they had not chance to develop their understanding. Another issue is sometimes people just want to satisfy their lower desires. And for them to think of God, to think of a life of piety is a kind of barrier between them and fulfilling their desires. You know, some people think it's better not to believe in God, not to go towards religion, because then you are free to do whatever you like. Man wants to remove anything in front of him. This is good in the sense that you are not satisfied with any limit of perfection. But if you mismanage it and take this as not being observing any rules and regulation, this is bad. Our love for freedom is good if it is used properly. But if you want to use freedom in order to violate moral laws, this is not good. Okay? So some people also because of moral problems, they don't want to believe in God because they think it would bring some limitation. Some people have arrogance. And therefore, because of their arrogance, they didn't want to believe in God because God wants us to know our limits, not to go beyond our limits, especially not to go and violate rights of other people. You see, many people who opposed the prophets were arrogant people who had special privileges in the society and they didn't want to lose it. S uh, some people have this misconception. <clears throat> they say, I only believe in something that I can see or touch. Okay? If I cannot see or touch or smell, if something cannot be experienced, cannot be, you know, coming into my empirical verification, I don't believe. This is a misconception. So some people only believe in what they see. Like, you know, Bani Israel, they told Prophet Musa, We don't believe in you unless we can see God clearly. 
They wanted to see God by their physical eyes. This is the problem of being imprecist. You want to experience everything with your senses, five senses. But we know that this is only one way of knowing things. There are many things that exist and we don't know about them through our five senses. Yeah? Even many things about ourselves. We cannot see, for example, our life. We cannot see our soul. We cannot see our understanding. We cannot see love, you know, by eyes or by ear, you know. When someone says, I love you, you, don't, you cannot say, I heard the love. No, this is not love. Love is something that you cannot hear. Love is something that you have to sense it by your soul. Okay? You cannot see it and you cannot hear it. It's another category. So, there is this such misconception that some people have had that have taken them away from God, although they have that innate understanding and desire for God. The third argument, I give you a summary of the third argument so that your mind is ready and inshallah then we can develop it further. The third argument is what in the West is known as cosmological argument and in Islamic theology it's known as Burhanul Wujub wal Imkan. Al Wujub wal Imkan. Necessity and contingency. Everything with respect to a quality can have one of the three possible relations. For example, imagine you have a proposition. Subject and predicate. Okay? Like, when you say, a snow is white. A snow is subject, is mawdu, and white is predicate, is mahmul. Okay? Athalju abiyav. The relation between white and snow is either necessity or is contingency or it is impossibleness. One of the three. Any subject can predicate. Either the subject necessarily has that predicate or it is impossible to have it. It means it necessarily doesn't have it. Or none of the having and non-having is necessary. It's contingency. It's emkan. Okay, so we have darurat, necessity. We have emtena', which is impossibleness. And we have emkan, which is contingence. I don't say possible, because possible is less than contingence. Who knows what is the difference between possible and between contingence? When you say something is possible or contingent? When you say something is possible, it means it is not impossible. But whether it is necessary or not doesn't say anything. Yeah? For example, existence of God, is it possible or not? Yes, it's possible. But at the same time, it is necessary. 
So if you want to say something is possible and not necessary, you say contingent. Okay? This is what we call al-imkan bil-ma'na al-akhas. Sorry, bil-ma'na al-khas. Al-imkan al-am, al-imkan al-khas. Okay. Whiteness for a snow. Is it impossible? No. Is it necessary or contingent? It's necessary. Yeah, a snow is always white. Sweetness for sugar is necessary. Okay? But black for a snow is impossible. Okay? So if you learn this terminology, now we can move on to the argument. We haven't yet talked about the argument. I have just clarified for you a few terms. Necessity, zarura, emtena, which means to be impossible, and emkan, which means to be contingent. Okay. Now, when we consider the relation between things and wujud, being, existence, okay? Everything that you see, everything around, everything you can think about it, okay? With respect to existence, it can have three possibilities. Either it cannot exist, it's impossible. Like, for example, contradiction cannot exist. Something to be there and at the same time not to be there, it's impossible. Something to be, for example, white and at the same time being not white cannot exist. Okay? So, everything that you imagine with respect to existence can be in one of the three conditions. Sometimes it's impossible to be existent. Sometimes it must exist. Sometimes it can exist and it can not exist. It means both sides are possible. Okay? These are three types of relations that we can consider between anything we imagine and wujud or existence. Now, let's now go to the argument. Definitely in the world, there are many things that exist, <clears throat> okay? These things that exist, we want to see, is there any God, any vajibul wujud, any creator, any necessary existent among them or not? This is the question, yeah? Some people say, we don't believe in God because Everything can be there and everything can be not there. Therefore, there is no need for God. We say there must be a necessary being. Something that must exist. Okay, this is the question. So now, let's consider this world around us. Is, this is the question. Is it possible to say that there are things, or there is one at least case, among the things that exist, that its relation with existence is emtena, it's impossible? No. Because if it was impossible, it couldn't exist. 
Okay? If it was impossible, it couldn't exist. So that condition, we leave it aside. We have only two options. Either whatever exists in the world is contingent or it's all necessary or some are contingent and some are necessary. We don't have any other option. Because if you say it was impossible to exist, then why they exist? Okay? So logically, anything in this world, it's either contingent or necessary. If you believe that there is at least one necessary being, means something that has always been there and must be there and we cannot think of it not being there, that is God. You may say, no, I don't believe in any necessary being. I think that everything is contingent. We are contingent. These, I don't know, desks, this, I don't know, rugs, carpet, everything is contingent. Animals, they're con it means that they exist. But there was no reason why they had to exist. They cannot explain themselves. They are there because they are effect for a cause. Now, the argument is this. If everything in this world was in need of another thing in order to come to existence, then this world as a whole could not have come to existence. There must be at least one being there which doesn't depend on another thing, which is uncaused cause, because if everything depends on another thing, and the other thing depends on another thing, and the other depends on another thing, then we would never reach a point that we can have anything. Like, for example, if I ask one of you some, a question, and you say, the person next to me should answer first, then I answer. Then I ask the second person, he said, the person next to me. If everyone says, I don't answer unless the other person answers, and this can go up to you know, infinity, and no one answers. We must have someone who answers without condition. Okay? When it comes to existence, we have to have something that exists no matter what other things have been, you know, doing or have been, you know, for example, uh, created or not created, something which is there, because of itself, something which is necessary being. So, the cosmological argument, which is purely intellectual argument, it doesn't depend on knowing about the world like argument from design, it doesn't need about something experiencing from inside. This is intellectual argument, says that those things that exist are either Contingent or necessary? If it is necessary, that's enough. It means that we have accepted wajibul wujud, we have accepted God. If they are not necessary, we say they need something else to bring them into existence. If that is wajibul wujud, okay, that's what we wanted. If even that is not wajibul wujud, then it depends on another thing. At the end, we have to reach a point that is necessary being. Okay? If you say... What is wrong if A 
is created by B and B by C and C by D and D again by A. You say this is vicious circle. If A depended on B and B on C and C on D, then D cannot depend on A again. Because this means that something depends on itself. It means A, in order to be there, needs to be there. Okay? So this contradiction. So, A cannot create itself through several uh, things in between. And also A cannot be created by endless things that never end. You have to have something that would exist without need for anything else and that gives existence to other things. So that is what we call uncaused cause. Illatul ilal, the cause for all the causes. Please think about it, study the book and inshallah next week we can expand and then we move on to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alamin.